from talkradio.nyc. Welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors right here in beautiful Manhattan. On tonight's show, knock on wood. My guest tonight is Eric Herman from the State of the Art Wood Floor Gallery. Eric and I are going to discuss the aesthetic values of wood floors, the enormous array of styles, finishes, and qualities available today. I want to ask Eric about proper installation techniques and the necessary home environmental conditions. I'm really interested in fully, finally understanding what engineered flooring is all about. And Eric is an expert in state-of-the-art wood flooring, and I'm anxious to speak to him tonight. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. I'm not a superstitious kind of guy, but I am very much a superstitious interior designer. Before I start each and every project, I knock on wood. I knock, knock twice, not once, not three times, twice. Right there at the threshold of the front door or the nearest tree on a construction site. I want to do everything possible to stave off any bad luck and only bring good fortune to the project. As we all know, and since we talk a lot about it on this show, there are so many challenges with a new interior design project. Veritable costs, time delays, scheduling conflicts, thousands of design decisions, aesthetic choices to be made, and the list goes on and on and on. Knocking twice on wood is one of my stay-true insurance policies and one more added sense of protections to keep the project on track and ultimately successful. My friend Lawrence, who is a general contractor from Lawrence from London, told me once that as a child they would play a game called Tiggy Touchwood. It's a type of tag, and the idea of the game is that children would be immune if they touched wood, such as a door or a tree. I've always enjoyed that story, mostly because it makes my superstitions valid and worth having, but ultimately because we're going to talk all about wood tonight. Wood floors, to be specific, I think wood floors are the second foundation to any house, and one of the first design elements of any home. I have an outstanding expert and knowledgeable guest with me tonight, Eric Herman from State of the Art Wood Floor Gallery. And just before we speak to Eric, I want to run quickly through the incredibly short history of wood floors. I love history for many reasons, but in particular, it shows us how lucky we are to be alive today and have the opportunities and the good fortunes that we have around us. So, here we go. If you didn't know, or if you didn't realize, we're about to celebrate the anniversary of the Pilgrims landing on Plymouth Rock in 1620. And as we approach the 400th anniversary of that momentous year of protestation of human liberty, a less noble but highly consequential human endeavor began as well. Houses with wood floors. Can you believe it? Before that first historic New England winter, the pilgrims, the pilgrims were only able to complete four houses, none of which had wood floors. Across the pond, Around the same time, the ground floor of European houses still lacked a wooden floor. But all of that was quick, quickly about to change. Within years of that historic landing, the first wooden floors in colonial America were these wide, 
thick planks of pine cut from the old-growth forest that blanketed our continent. They weren't sanded, but polished smooth by generations of use. In 1684, the Palace of Versailles was designed with unpolished white oak parquet floors, a design triumph at the time and an engineering feat as well. And when the White House was completed in 1800, Abigail Adams used imported carpets and rugs to cover the rustic, unpolished wood floors in the vermin-ridden White House. So <laughs> let's jump from the rats in the White House 85 years to 1885 and talk about state-of-the-art wood floor technology, because in that year, tongue-and-groove flooring was invented, and because of that, we are now off to the races. The early 20th century started using subfloors, and by the end of World War I, machine-made wood flooring was available commercially throughout the nation. Certainly, I would say, in my time over the past 25 years as an interior designer, wood floors have gone from a utility in most American homes to a true fashion design statement today. The Pilgrims stood for liberty of which humanity had never known before and established houses and homes with wood floors of which to stand upon. When we come back, my conversation with Eric Herman, owner and president of state-of-the-art wood floor gallery. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. My guest tonight, Eric Herman from State of the Art Wood Floor Gallery. Eric, welcome to At Home. Thank you for having me, David. Great to be here. So happy that you're here with us. Um, we're going to talk about wood floors tonight, and there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of aspects to it. But before we get to that, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody else, which is, what is your meaning of beauty, and what specifically is beautiful in your home? Great question. Uh, my first thoughts, definition of beauty is my wife, children, and family. That's paramount to all. And I take great pride in great family and everyone working together as a team. 
Um, I also find beauty in having a home, which you are very comfortable to live in and happy to come home after a long day's work to a beautiful, comfortable environment that makes you happy when you walk in the door. Um, do you and your wife work uh, together towards what that home represents to you? Or um, is it her game? Or how does that work in your house? Uh, the house design is predominantly my game. Okay. Uh, she doesn't take take a great great cost in that. Uh, I, I Being in the industry, it's been a, a passion of mine, finding all types of materials that work together, um, especially, obviously, our flooring take great pride in creating a floor that both looks great makes me happy when i see it and i know how it wear that it wears very well and we don't have to worry about uh small things that will damage it what floor do you have in your house in my home i have a french oak floor it's a chevron pattern and it was thank you it was uh, fumed and we created a custom color to give a very nice ceruzed gray and white look Terrific. Well, we're, we're off to the races, as I said before. Can you, um, can you tell us what, the, what is the state of the art in wood flooring today? State of the art wood flooring. State of the art wood flooring. We're a second generation company. I grew up in the industry with my father. Uh, we specialize in both installations, custom finishing of floors, as well. We globally source wood and finish it either in our factory or on the job site. Uh, we take great pride in staying abreast of all new techniques, new equipment, and first and foremost, being very environmentally conscious and moving forward as a first-class company. Right. So there's not a lot of flooring companies in Manhattan, I would say, and you have showrooms in Miami and in East Hampton, but in Manhattan, let's say, there's not a lot of showrooms that... Uh, do the full 360 degree of service. You guys do everything. You not only supply the product and the materials and all of the different types of finishes and qualities of floors, but you also are doing installation, servicing, and finishing as well, right? That's correct. Uh, we have essentially two arms, one being our showroom, which we sell flooring from, and then we have a service division, which installs and finishes floors. It gives us great handle on our projects where uh, we know all the nuances of the projects from a contractor standpoint, and it allows us to foresee any potential issues that may arouse um, as well. It gives us control of our projects. We have our own men that are installing our floors and are finishing our floors. So we know at the end of the day when we're turning over a home, restaurant, club, whatever it may be, that we've put our all into it and we've given the client what they paid for and what they deserve. Your name, state of the art. What would you say the state of the art in wood flooring is? What what product would stand out that would say that it is the newest and the best version of wood flooring? Newest and best. Uh, engineered floors have come across a long way in the past 10 years. Uh, we specialize in that being New York City based and most of our clientele is located here. We work in a lot of concrete core buildings, and we find that these engineered floors remain very stable in different environments, as well um, allow for an easy installation. So that's first and first on my ideas of what is state of the art of the industry, um, as well coming down on the finishing side. There's a lot of new finishes, new finishing techniques, being wire brushing, oiling, hand oiling, hand scraping. These techniques really allow us to step step out of our comfort zone and really create one-of-a-kind floors that um, will last last a lifetime. Terrific. So, so we don't lose any listeners. Let's go really quickly through what is an engineered floor. Engineered flooring, uh, well, first off, the difference, solid wood flooring versus engineered wood flooring. Solid wood flooring is traditionally three-quarters of an inch thick, and it's the same species of wood throughout from the top to the bottom. Engineered wood flooring is what they call a wear layer on top, typically roughly a quarter of an inch thick, and then it's on a plywood substrate, which the premise behind it is it's going to remain more stable in the different environments. Right. So I think it's really important because I've had, in my experiences, a lot of people going, but the wood that I see is is so thin. It's like pancake thin, let's say. And, and how will that wear and how will that have a longevity to it? 
that's a great question. When you're working, uh, looking at an engineered wood floor, there's different thicknesses and wear layers. They could come from two millimeters, uh, typically what you'll see in a big box store, something of that fashion, up to six or seven millimeters. And if you actually look at the profile of an engineered wood floor versus a solid wood floor, the top layer being the wear layer on a six millimeter engineered floor, it's basically the same thickness as a traditional solid hardwood floor. The only usable space of wood floors from the top to the tongue and groove and having that six millimeter wear layer will allow you to refinish it as many times as you would a traditional tried, true, tested, solid hardwood floor. I think the big difference uh, is we're going to get into engineered floors for a, uh, for a minute here is there's several reasons why to go ahead with an engineered floor, in my opinion. One is that you can have it pre-finished and brought into the job and installed and you walk away from it, correct? That's so correct. that to me is valuable as far as saving time, knowing what the end product will look like and determining, um, not making any sort of determinations on the site. So I think that's incredibly valuable. But two, and we're gonna get into some technical challenges in the, the third segment, but um, engineering floors, although it seems, um, how would you say, um, you know, for instance, when people first find out about furniture and there's a veneer to a mahogany table, that it's not a solid mahogany table. This has been going on since the Regency period 200 years ago. There's a thin layer of the high quality wood that you see and that you notice. It's almost exactly that with engineered flooring. And the substrate of the engineered flooring allows so much more stability than even solid wood. Uh, offers. Can you just explain why that is, where the stability of an engineered floor comes from? That's correct. So being the top layer on an engineered floor, as I mentioned, roughly a quarter of an inch thick, it's not going to move as much as a solid wood floor being three quarters of an inch thick. Right. With a solid hardwood floor, three quarters, you have three quarters of an inch of the species being oak, maple, mahogany. That's going to shrink in the winter, expand in the summer. Because wood is live. Wood is live. Wood is live. Engineered wood floors, being it's a thinner layer of the actual wood, it does it will not move as much as a solid wood floor. The substrates that it's put on, being the plywood, it is going to be much more stable. It's meant to be a building material, and it's not going to shrink and expand as if it was a full three-quarter inch of solid hardwood. We got right into it, and I wanted to talk about design a little bit, but while we're doing it, let's do it. And that's not just plywood. That's a, what we would call, that substrate is, is sort of like an engineered product. It's a MDF sort of quality of product, right? Uh, T typically plywood, and it's comprised of many different layers, uh, traditionally nine layers, and it, they they run them in opposite directions, so you're just increasing building, stability. Yeah. It's all about stability. Right. So that's incredibly important, and I'll tell you why it's so important, because in three or four, five, six projects, let's say, that I've done in the last 15, 20 years in new Manhattan Towers, where it is a concrete... Um, horizontal um, structural program that concrete takes a long time to weather out and dry out and all of that and in the early days when all of that was new those wood floors would buckle because there was so much moisture coming out of the cement and engineered floors really help to help that there's a sponge layer and then there's all the different layers that you said that gives it so much more stability correct that's correct to an extent. It is still necessary for any time you're going on top of concrete or any substrate in that matter that the floor is properly dried and cured. Um, concrete being the most important to check the that the concrete has properly dried within tolerance. And that's, that's extremely critical. If not, it will actually off-gas into the floor and it will damage any floor in that sense. Yeah. Engineered floors do have a better chance of survival in that, in that fashion, but most buildings that are going up they do monitor the concrete moisture content, and you keep a good eye on it. You do some tests prior to bringing the wood into the project, and I think that's the most important thing. Certainly, if you're buying a new apartment, that is something to know about and something to pay attention to. Let's get into some fun stuff. Um, so, for instance, uh, how do you think it's the best way to pick? Uh, you have so many selections. You have so many beautiful products. You have so many qualities of wood and finishes. How does, how does somebody not walk into your showroom and get overwhelmed? I think you have to narrow down uh, your options first and foremost. 
A few things that you should be taking into consideration when you're looking to purchase a floor. First and foremost being color. So that's extremely important. You want to see that it works with the home or the office or the space that it's going into. As well, the size. Larger planks, smaller planks. Uh, they work with the different... A lot of options, really. A lot of options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I think it's always one of the biggest design questions. Where do we start? How do we start? And I think wood floors are a perfectly good place to start. And I think it's almost an emotional reaction a lot of times. And it's not just happens at the showroom. I, what I tell my clients a lot of times is when you go to a friend's house, when you go to your in-laws house, when you go to a party at a business affair, notice what the floors are and, and what your reaction to that. If, you know, if you come to my house, I have dark, dark, almost black wood floors in my house, right? Yep. What's your reaction to that? You go to my apartment, they're, they're lighter and, and just more easy to live with, right? And then there's so many different kind of white floors and there's so many different options. So I think that's one way to figure it out. I think the widths are sort of a new challenge. Everybody's sort of used to three-inch wide oak planks. So when you do, you showed me today a 14-inch wide Okay. Plank, oak plank, which was gorgeous. Five inches was popular three or four years ago, right? So the wisps, I think, to me, have a uh, denote a certain kind of style, a certain kind of uh, overall design concept, right? Agreed. Yeah. So, um, you know, but again, choosing the right product, you know, you have a lot of choices, and it's really just talking through them and looking at them and deciding how best to do with that, how much does money or budget play into all of that? In other words, can you do you do you have a wide range of finishes and styles, but do you have a wide range of cost as well? Uh, we we have a, a wide range of finishes and styles. Um, our costs are not as wide of a range as our finish and styles. We try to bring in lines that uh, all fall in within a certain percentage of each other, not from one dollar to twenty dollars you know all of our products do fall in within uh certain parameters that it allows people to find what they want without pushing their budget over the top um so we really wanted our goal is to to guide you toward the right floor that's going to work with your home something that you love and as well will fit in within your budget so i live in uh my apartment is probably a hundred years old or it's going to be a hundred year old pretty soon um i have the original floors um, not sure they can be sanded down again. Certainly, I'll leave before that <laughs> becomes an issue. But uh, is the new product uh, lasting that long, and does it have that same sort of durability to it? I do believe it does. I think if you specify the right floor from the get-go, it's gonna it's gonna last for generations to come. Uh, the The new finishes, the new technology on the market today has helped us. Um, it's increased durability of floors tremendously from finishes uh, from times ago. And I do believe that these floors will last for generations to come. What do you think is, uh, I don't know, fashionable today? What, what, are, what are people looking at and what are people getting excited about? People getting excited today, uh, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, color is a big thing. We do, What color? Is there any uh, color, but just all colors? Grays, I mean, whites, the natural tones are coming back pretty heavy. Neutrals. We're not talking about red floors. Not red floors. <laughs> neutrals, neutral, neutral oak tones. Um, and grays, grays are as popular as they've ever been, and we think that'll keep going for some time. Yeah, I think it really depends on the color of gray, to be perfectly honest, and the, um, I think uh, there's a gray can be either sort of garish or it can be uh, very elegant, and so I think that probably plays a big part of that. We were talking about whistle floors and stuff like that. Is there... Are you seeing a trend in how wide floors are getting, or is that just an open book and based on what the interior designer and the architect is and the clients are thinking at the time? I think floors are getting wider by the day. Uh, we've, when I started in this industry in 1999, as I mentioned to you earlier, I would go into a home, a, a store, I would see a five inch wide floor, and I would think it was very wide. Now, Looking at floors seven inches, eight inches, nine inches is is kind of becoming the norm. And is that because of engineering? In other words, if you would have said to me solid wood, fourteen inches, all I would think about is the swelling and the cupping of that. Is engineering floor making wider planks possible? Great point. Great point. Yeah, with the engineered stability, it's allowing us to go. We've recently installed a floor that was twenty inches wide, 
and I would not have felt comfortable doing that with a right. solid hardwood floor. So knowing that it's on an engineered structure, it allowed us to install that, and uh, it's looking great and hopefully will last for years to come. I don't want to go over so quickly the fashion sort of thing. So dark versus light, you're kind of saying that light is popular. I noticed that white floors are very popular. I just did several apartment uh, renovations and with white floors. Um, I like it very much. In New York, it refracts the light, so it almost makes the room and the apartment brighter. Um, that was our goal. It seemed to work really, really well. Um, and then the size of the plank we talked about and all of that. What about finishes? Because I think finishes are a big change. In other words, we used to think that it had to be a high gloss polish or, you know, maybe we went with semi gloss. Uh, we've switched to satin recently. But I think that the finishes are changing drastically, correct? That's correct. Finishes, what I see now, they're going more to a satin and or matte. Um, people really don't want shine. It It's more of a maintenance issue than it's aesthetically promising. And we find most of our clients are going for very low sheens, um, between 0 to 5% sheen on a gloss monitor. And that has a lot to do with the quality of finishes that have been developed recently, right? But I think when you have a low sheen, right, or a matte finish... Um, it it uh, it's very forgiving, right? It it doesn't show the dust Agreed. as much in the sunlight. I think that's really crucial, um, and it seems to uh, sit quieter. It seems to really be that second foundation that I was talking about earlier. Really lays down well and allows the rest of the interior uh, to take focus. So I think that's really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. So from a design element, I think that's really, really great. Um, what about like patterns and stuff, right? So we talked about Versailles and those were crazy patterns. Um, a lot of, um, you know, the wealthy homes used to have very interesting patterns. Uh, in New York, we used to always have a mahogany, uh, like one inch border that went around the rooms. Um, that all seemed to have gone away for a while. Is is that true still? Are people just kind of running wall to wall? Or are people interested in patterns again? Patterns are still popular. We don't see as many of the mahogany borders, things of that nature these days. Uh, we still do see quite a bit of herringbone patterns. Yeah, which is um, gorgeous which, and classically which beautiful. Classic, beautiful, looks great in any home. Um, what we are seeing a lot more of now is what's called French herringbone, which is chevron. So in lieu of a traditional herringbone, it's cut on a 45 degree angle, and that's extremely popular right now. A bit more of a modern feel, say. and it, it really looks wonderful. It, 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 it's so funny that you say that just the cut or the angle of that, it definitely has a, a contemporary element Absolutely. to it. Absolutely, It seems cleaner. It seems to go better with the furniture and with the amount of glass windows and stuff uh, that are part of modern construction, at least in New York apartments anyway. So uh, that's really, really important. Um, Eric and I are going to continue to discuss uh, wood floors when we come back, and we're going to talk about other things like the importance of proper environmental conditions. We hit upon that a little bit. We're going to talk about installation, some services, and all of that when we come back. You're listening to At Home on talkradio.nyc. One, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? 
I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. We are talking to Eric Herman, the president and owner of State of the Art Wood Floor Gallery right here in New York City on 32nd Street and 5th Avenue between 5th and 6th, yeah? Park and Lex. Park and Lex. I was, oh, I should have known that. Close enough. Right, close enough. You also have a showroom in Miami, right? And you have a showroom in East Hampton as well, right? That's correct. We just opened one showroom last summer in East Hampton. Which is fantastic. Right, Absolutely. so much going on. Absolutely, so much easier for everybody out there. Yep. Right. Um, so, but the showroom is outstanding, and it's really easy to see, and it's really easy to work, and there's plenty of room to lay things down and to, um, you know, contrast with other materials and floors and stuff like that. But also, uh, go to the website, which is Sota, which is a T S O T A Floors dot com. Um, and take a look at their website. You guys are also on Instagram at Sota Floors, S-O-T-A Floors, and Facebook at uh, State of the Art Wood Floor Galleries. Yeah? That's correct. No, not plural, just uh, singular. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you have a profile on house as well? Yes, sir. Terrific. So that's great. Yeah, all the proper trade things to do. We're trying. <laughs> as the rest of us do. Uh, yeah, social media. It's fantastic. What can I say? Uh, listen, as we get uh, through the next segment and we get ready to take your questions, send your questions to David at DavidThirgarnerInteriors.com and just put at home in your subject line so we know that it's a question for the show. Um, Eric, I want to talk about some of the technical issues. We hit upon it a little bit, but I think it's so crucial for a successful installation. So let's just talk about preparations. Uh, just tell us again what you think needs to happen before your material goes down and gets installed. Proper subflooring is probably the most critical point. And of what the is subflooring, just so everybody knows? Because I brought it up in the opening as well, and I didn't define it. Very so well. subflooring is the base layer that your new wood floor is going to go on top of, either being a plywood subfloor and or concrete. So it goes on top of the floor joist, right? So the joist. That's correct. And then the subfloor. Then you're finished flooring. And then you're finished flooring. Without a good subfloor, uh, your floor is destined to fail. <laughs> floor subflooring is extremely important to have it both flat, clean, and smooth. And it, with a good subfloor, you have a great chance for a great finished floor. It sounds like every parent or every teacher in the world preparation, preparation, preparation. Right? You need a good I mean, base you to can. build. You, you, need, you need a good base to build yeah. off of, and that's really, really critical here. Yeah, it, it's really probably more than anything I know is, is as important as anything else. We talked about subfloors. We talked about humidity because what usually happens, and correct me if, if I'm wrong about this, but we usually bring in the floor to regulate itself uh, for about three weeks before it gets installed, right? And what's the purpose of that, and is, is that the right amount of time? Typically, we try to bring in a floor about one week prior so to installation. That's the material of the floor. Correct. Yeah. It's called acclimation. Acclimation. You want the wood to sit, to rest in the environment it's going to be living in for the duration of its life. You don't want to bring it straight off a truck, off a boat, right into the home and install it immediately, uh, being it's, it's not in the environment that it's going to be living in. Wood is considered hygroscopic, 
which means it's actually living, breathing, and it contains cells which hold moisture. And you want that wood to be in equilibrium with the home. I love that. Hydroscopic? Hygroscopic. Oh, my goodness. Yes. You learn something every day. Yeah. But that's an important part, right? A lot of people don't think that's true, but wood moves, wood reacts, wood finds itself within its environment. Wood moves a lot. Right. And so if it was, let's say, in a warehouse uh, near the water, right, is totally different than being on the 32nd floor of a tower in Manhattan where there's a tremendous amount of heat. And all of that. Absolutely. Or if just to, you know, I have this problem in Scottsdale. Um, we were importing things from California coast into one of the driest environmental clients, uh, climates that we could. And we had to give that extra time to deal with a lot of those different conditions. So it's something to really pay attention to and to be knowledgeable about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Um, it's. A, I think. I guess I'm only stumbling a little bit because I think uh, I keep seeing my clients in my head, kind of going, "It's just sitting there." You know, and what? Why? Why can't we install it? Right? Because they're anxious and they're excited to. Um, that's to see co- it. that's correct. But the biggest thing with it acclimating and sitting there, you want it to be in a stable, dry environment similar to what it's going to be in for the future use of the floor. And Eric and I were talking about over break just how many times. Uh, in some of the new construction, those floors had to be redone. You do not want that problem. No. You don't want six months, a year from when you moved in, when all of the furniture's in, all the rugs in, the the walls are complete with wallpaper or Venetian plaster or a beautiful paint job, and then you're ripping out the floors because they weren't treated well or acclimated correctly in the first place. And it happens more time than you can imagine. Yeah, so it's something to be really careful about. That's why I wanted to bring it up again, just so we kind of nail that home yep. a little bit. Yeah. So um, are there other challenges and problems uh, to be aware of, uh, either before installation or during installation? Is there is there something that we should know about? Yeah, yeah. After the subfloor, I find the biggest thing to be relative humidity. Uh, you want your space to be stable the rule of thumb is to have your home or space between 35 and 55% relative humidity. Once it gets below that, that's when floors will start to shrink. And you could see uh, what's called checks, which are surface cracks, start to appear. appear. Um, ad- adversely, in the summertime months, humid environments, once you start going over 55%, your floor is taking on humidity and moisture from the environment, swelling. It's actually gaining water weight. The cells, as I mentioned earlier, are taking on the moisture from the environment, and that's when floors will start to cup. So relative humidity is huge. Right. Just think about uh, any closet door or bedroom door in August that, for some reason, no longer shuts tight against the door jam. It's the same concept. The door has swollen. The floors swell as well. You said cup. Cup is sort of when it makes a U-shape kind that, of, right, where the ends are glazing that's up correct. a little bit. So the wood, the wood is actually gaining size. It's swelling to the board next to it, pushing against each other. And that's actually why when you're doing a proper installation, you have to leave an, an expansion joint around the perimeter, which will allow the wood to grow in the summertime, not press up against the sheetrock or the walls, and it won't cause it to buckle or cup. Yeah, exactly. I want to talk about high traffic areas. Um uh, I think it's important for the home. I think when animals, a lot of dogs or large, large animals, big dogs, kids and all of their friends, I think that's important. My charity is I help design and build houses for Birch Family Services. Um, we do homes for uh, adults with autism. And we have challenges with that as well because some of that behavior is pacing, mm-hmm. um, Reddit, r- repetitive pacing where they're you know working the same two, three, four feet of the floor all day long. It took us a long while to figure out how what the proper material is with that. But I think it's true with animals as well, maybe coming out of the kitchen or the front door or the side door. So can you talk a little bit about what sort of finishes or what kind of quality of wood is good for high traffic areas? For high traffic areas, first, first off, you want to choose a species that's going to be hard. You don't want to use a soft wood if you know the place is going to get a lot of foot traffic, um, people walking back and forth, so on and so forth. Um, you also, you need to find a finish that's both commercial, uh, you need to find a finish that is commercial rated, so you know it's going to stand up to both commercial and or residential foot traffic. And what makes that commercial rating? Most commercial rated finishes have what's called a catalyst, 
uh, a part B that gets added into the finish and that is going to help it dry harder. It creates a higher solid content and it's going to make for a stronger finished floor and it will last longer. And that comes in all the quality of finishes? No. That, no. Okay. That, that's that's a big problem that we see is, is people are generalizing finishes um, in lieu of using the top of line finishes. So with these very good finishes, they're, they're much stronger, they have higher solid contents, and they do come with a catalyst, which is also going to increase this, the durability of the finish. I'm thinking um, that, you know, when we would refinish a floor, had a solid wood floor and, and changing, screening it and changing the finish, a lot of times we would put that uh, two coats of high polish finish on it to give it some strength and stability. And then the final coat we would do like the satin or the low gloss or the low sheen. That's not possible in this concept, right? It's it's still possible. The train of thought with that was that the higher the sheen, the higher solid content. So you build up the base with the higher gloss first, and then you could tone down the sheen by using a satin finish on top. We still believe that that's the case, and that's the practice that we still follow. Okay. Yeah. So that works. That's a good solution to Her, all of that. Yeah, yes. For high traffic areas as well, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, so I lost my train of thought here for a second because I have so many questions I want to ask, but... Um, why wouldn't I want a high trafficked quality of wood or finish throughout my house, even if it's, let's say, like the dining room or something, right? I mean, wouldn't I always want to perceive it as having high traffic areas? We would recommend to use the same finish throughout, regardless, high traffic, no traffic. You want to keep a consistent finish, consistent sheen, and consistent look. And then I want to talk about, real quick before we go to break, that 14-inch wide piece of uh, the sample that you showed me which was so outstanding and so beautiful it was oak it was fumed that's correct um, and it had a matte finish on it that's correct right and so i loved it the color was spectacular um and um and the width was just extraordinary uh we never get to really see that anymore so would that finish be considered a, a good high traffic uh finish as well absolutely that finish that we showed you that was actually one of our pre-finished floors right we recently created that for a job locally here in manhattan and that is a commercial rated finish it's what's called uv cured so as we apply the coating it gets dried and cured instantaneously. It helps to create a stronger build and a, a longer lasting finish. It was absolutely breathtaking. So we should post that sample on the Instagram just so everybody can see it. That would be really, really absolutely good. Absolutely will. And then that finish, we'll get back to that when we take some questions because that was an important quality to what this was about. Um, Eric, you know, we seem to be out of time as we usually are. It goes so quickly. I can't believe it. Just when you're getting started. Yeah, I'm uh, just getting warmed up here. Right? You, we, need to, we need to come to an end. But listen, stay with me. It looks like uh, we have a whole bunch of questions to answer. And uh, we'll come back and take care of those. This is At Home. And Eric and I will be back in two minutes. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com
Eric, we have a whole bunch of questions here, so let's try to answer some of these as quickly as we can. Um, I'm looking through here uh, just to see how to start. It's uh, a question from Doug R. It says, thanks, David, for a great show. How many times can you refinish engineered flooring? I know you mentioned it, but I've always been told that you only get three chances. Is that true? Refinishing engineered wood flooring, the rule of thumb with refinishing flooring is you get one sanding per millimeter of wear layer. So if you have a four millimeter floor, you can resand it four times, six millimeters, six times. I usually tell my clients on a conservative note, shy that back by one, but you could still do on a six millimeter floor, you could get a good four to five sandings out of it. Uh, that's going to come down to who's running the sanding machine at the end of the day. Right. But if you go through the proper channels, use the proper sandpaper, you will get a good four to five sandings out of a flow without an issue. The, I think that's an outstanding answer, by the way. And I think that changes that whole dialogue about engineered floors tremendously. So One sanding per millimeter. Yeah, I think that's a, a wonderful way of looking at that. But for me, and I don't know if this is short-sighted of me or not fair of me or wrong of me, however you want to look at it. But listen, when are you going to refinish the floor, right? If you buy the right quality floor in the first place and you live in that house for 30, 35 years, I mean, I've lived in my apartment for almost that long, right? When is that floor going to be needed to be refinished? So let's say, like my in-laws, you lived in it for 60 years. Maybe you'll refinish it one time. So to me, it's an interesting question because it's a question that doesn't concern that's correct. You or the homeowner, as long as you're buying good quality product. A lot of people get overworked regarding how many times you yes. can finish a floor. But as you said, if you use a good product from the start, make sure that it's a good finish that's going on. Uh, you shouldn't have to refinish that floor ever. Doug, I don't mean to make it sound like a like I'm responding negatively to you. All I'm saying is it always seems to be an issue when you talk about engineered floors. It's sort of the negative it's, it's against the first it. Question. And I just don't think it needs to be. I don't think it has to. There's so many good things that come from a well-made engineered floor that that's the least of your concern. So anyway... Doug, that's how we answered that question. Thanks, this Doug. is from <laughs> thanks, Doug. This is from John K. We are trying to decide between carpeting and hardwood floor in our bedroom. Can you discuss the cost difference between the two of them? Sure. Um, carpeting is definitely going to be more cost effective for the most part. Uh, though the longevity of carpeting, you're going to have to change that numerous times throughout the generations, throughout your livelihood in the home. Um, wood floors, you should never have to change them. At most, you can refinish them in 10, 15, 20 years. Um, as well, from a health standpoint, wood is a natural product. It breathes. It works with you. Carpet, it harbors dust, dirt. odors, dirt, anything of the nature, um, which is not going to be the same with, with wood flooring. So it's actually healthier. It's a healthier environment to live in, and it allows you to breathe better and feel much better. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I think it's an interesting um, question in the first place. And I'll go through my uh, reasoning for that. One is that you said bedroom. Uh, thank you for telling us specifically what room it is. I actually think that wall to wall carpeting in master bedrooms in particular is quite a nice thing to do. I, I just have always thought there's an elegance to that and a beauty to that. Um, don't think that way about kids rooms at all. But definitely, I think that way about master bedrooms now let's work it backwards if i decided that i wanted my wood floor to go consistently through the house and into my master bedroom i'm still gonna want uh, a beautiful area rug or something under the bed and something when i touch the floor when i when i wake up in the morning so you have that additional cost to me right so I think it's really all I'm saying is that I think it's a it's not such a uh, black and white issue of hardwood cost versus carpeting cost. Um, I think it's really about aesthetics and it's uh, about quality of life and what's pleasurable and beautiful to you. And I think either way works really well for most people. Agreed. So, um, yeah, so I think that's a tough one. I think you just need to decide how you want to live. I mean, an area rug can cost as much as the floor. Going yeah, down. Absolutely. Right. So it's uh, it's one of those. 
sorts of things. Um, this is from Sam PTX. Okay, thank you, Sam. Um, this is a sustainable question that we were talking about earlier before. Is there any reason for concern regarding illegal use of rainforest woods and wood qualities? Like, I mean, I think people are more and more concerned. Is it Brazilian mahogany that's coming from the rainforest? Am I a part of damaging the rainforest? Any of that sort of stuff, I think, is, you know, something to be, pay attention to, yeah. social concerns. Couldn't agree with you more. There's a lot of... Um there's a lot of networks, authorities that now are monitoring both rainforests, different forests to make sure that the wood is harvested correctly. Um, a lot of times we use what's called FSC certified wood, which is when a, ma a forest is properly managed. They take down trees, they replant trees, and that's a huge thing. I think the the whole worrying about where your wood is coming from, as long as you're buying it from a reputable source, do some back history, check things out. Um, I don't think that should be a great concern of, of yours being a homeowner. But is there is there a stamp or a label or anything on that? All FSC material is stamped and labeled. Oh, um, but no, as the stuff is coming from South America, Brazil, typically you won't see a stamp label. It's just knowing that you're getting it from the proper source. And as I mentioned before, there's a lot of different authorities that will monitor these forests where being rainforests and so forth, that they will not, they will, you know, people have been imprisoned for doing things of that nature recently. Right. Good. So we're really cracking down. They're, they're all over it. Yeah. The environmental control, they're all over these, in, these locations. That's fantastic. Well, we're talking about environmental control and just because we have another extra minute, but the 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 sample that you showed me and the question at the end of the last segment that was a sustainable uh finish on that as well can you just talk about that and describe what that is and what to look out for that's correct yeah the the finish that we were looking at that's called fumed oak so it's actually fumed it's exposed to ammonia and it creates a chemical reaction with the tannins in the wood through osmosis it changes the color of the wood it actually ages it to some extent the piece of wood that you liked was all that had was a clear zero VOC finish on it. So it had no stains, no chemicals, no off-gassing. It was fumed in proper channels, and it looks great. It's the color is through and through the wood. So if you drop something, scratch something, drag something, you won't see. It's not like a stain that you'll see the brown color of oak beneath it. That is the color through and through. So there's a lot in that answer, but just go, what's VOC? Volatile organic compounds. Right, and that's the finish, right? And it, it, it emits no odor. No odor, no it's off It's hypoallergenic. That's correct. Right. So we do that, again, for my charity, Birch Family Services. We use VOC products everywhere we can just because we don't know uh, what the residents' challenges are. But it's great for for any reason, just for the environment alone. Even if you're nobody's susceptible to allergies or anything, it's just a wonderful thing to do. That's correct. Right. And then the fumed oak, and just so everybody gets it, because it's a beautiful thing. One, I immediately think of like a whiskey barrel or, you know, something like that. But really where I know it so well from is, is a lot of French chateau sort of concept. They always have these, like Versailles, these incredibly beautiful fumed oak floors that have so much character, so much intrinsic coloration to them. They, they are quite stunning. And they tend to be a little more pricey, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the process makes it so. That's correct. Uh, let's see if we can hit a couple more. Uh, this is from Will H. Hey, I live in a new New York building, and the floors are starting to show like hill marks and my wife's high hill shoe uh, hills. What's up with that? <laughs> That's a great question, Will. So the problem with heel marks, it's when the high heels don't have the rubber stopper on the bottom. Essentially, it's you're walking on the floor with a nail. A, a good, an interesting fact, a 120-pound woman wearing a pair of stilettos has the same PSI's pounds per square inch as an elephant. So well, I that's not a good I don't thing want to, to offend. Bring up. That's not, not trying to offend any ladies out there, but you're essentially standing on that floor with so a nail. It's not the quality. It's of the not wood. the quality of the so wood. So like it's not like walnut, which is known as a softwood or something, right? I mean, it's going to be whatever. It's it going to show on any if that heel is damaged, um, especially in Manhattan. Women walking over grates, that bottom of the heel tears off, and it's basically a nail pressing into the floor. 
So we've got to be careful about what we wear. Eric, I can't thank you again. Thank you. It was you. a great pleasure. I'm so happy that you came on the show. It was incredibly uh, useful and full of information. And uh, everybody take a look at uh, the state-of-the-art fine wood gallery. I want to thank everybody here at talkradio.com. Special thanks to the Plymouth Plantation Museum for their help on... Uh, my opening there, Schoolhouse Number 6 Productions. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to try. Ben Keegan for my music. And remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at home with DTI. Also, take a look at my website, davidtheergartnerinteriors.com. Join me next week when we talk to environmentally sustainable artist Alexandra Clement. Um, we're going to talk about all the incredibly beautiful things that she makes um, for the home, and it's quite a beautiful array of things. Stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And until next week on the radio, remember the best designs for your life start at home. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.